0: Good morning, Carpenter's Way. Morning. Hope you guys are doing all right this morning. If, you want to, uh, if you're in the room and you want to stand and worship with us, you are more than welcome. You don't have to, but you are more than welcome to stand and worship. If you're tuning in online, don't be a spectator. Uh, join in with us this morning. Shame is a prison, as cruel as a grave. Come to take my name, oh, Lord, lifting me up from the
1: ground. My freedom is found. There ain't no. Chop it,
0: Turned into one Open the eyes of the blind There's no one like you There's none like you Into the darkness you shine And out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you There's none like you Sing it, our God is greater Our God is greater Our God is stronger God, you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome and powerful To the darkness, and into the darkness you shine, and out of the ashes we rise. And there's no and you'd like to we're going to read scripture together
2: this is a good one (laughs) y'all
0: this includes you who were once far away from God you were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Amen. I don't know why you love me, but you do, why you forgive me. For the things that I do, the foolish mistakes I make when I take my eyes off of you. I don't know why you love me, but you do. And I don't know why you carry all my shame Why you would freely come and die in my place Why you would walk my path or why you would even look my way I don't know why you'd carry all my shame Love me before I knew you And you forgive me For when I cried to you And so I thank you I laid my life before you Why you forgive me for the things that I do When peace like a river attended, stand before you and we can sing these words as well with my soul even with all the craziness that is going on in the world because of what you have done because of the price that you paid the, the fact that you came Emmanuel God with us and you lived and you died and you rose we can say God that our, our salvation our sin problem is taken care of Lord it is well it is well with our soul God and we say thank you we say thank you
2: A lot of times on holidays. Brad, if you want to make your way up here, we'll let you make your announcement. A lot of times on holidays we do videos and they're really clever and funny. But you know, I just wanted to tell you, go have fun this week. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then it is well with your soul no matter what happens in politics or this country or your neighborhood. God is still on His throne. And I love that, that's, that line in the song John and I were talking about a second ago. It says, the Trump shall resound. Yeah. And the, the sky is going to be rolled back, and we're going to go home. And because of that, because you don't live in fear, because of the worst thing that can happen to us in this life, death, is going to happen, and we get to go home, go have fun this week. And if, you, if you're just with a couple people, or you're just by yourself, go downtown and walk and see the lights after dark. It's such a fun time in our community. We drove, we drove last night around town, took my grandson, and he thought everything was a Star, star, star. And we just, this is such a cool community at this time of year. You know, Rudolph is about to be lit up pretty soon. And I know some of you are still really mad. Your world's been shaking because it's not at the mall. (laughs) Could you just let it go and go downtown and then walk the street and get a cup of coffee? And uh, you can even bring a cup of coffee from home. I'm not endorsing standpipe, although it's good coffee. (laughs) But just have fun. Enjoy Thanksgiving. It's okay to overeat. I talked to the Lord. He said gluttony's okay this time of year. I'm just kidding, but would you just decide this year to have fun, and if somebody brings up politics to the table, don't argue, just smile and say, I'm so glad we live in a free country where you could be stupid. (laughs) I mean, it's so wonderful, and that uncle that's coming, and that aunt that maybe drinks a little much before they come, and you're just like, oh, I think they're going to come this year, that you have to tell it's an hour early so they get there on time. Would you look at them as a missionary opportunity, a ministry opportunity, just, just have a great time, you guys, because it is a wonderful, wonderful time of year, and uh, God bless you. It's such a wonderful time. So uh, anyway, I just want to encourage you, uh, and if you don't have a place to go or food to eat on Thanksgiving, would you just let me know? We'll make sure you're taken care of. So with that being said, Brad?
3: Thank you. <clears throat> I'm, for uh, those of y'all who don't know me, I'm Brad Bustler. Uh, I'm uh, the uh, on the personnel committee i'm also the greeter on door <laughs> for those of you who come in on this side you might not know me but this side does anyway uh it's that time of year again and uh, the personnel committee wanted uh, to just make an announcement and ask you all to to consider making a love offering for our staff this is our second covid year and it's been challenging year for everybody but especially for the staff here the cleaning the the work they go through and the coordinating that takes place and i know they meet with the elders frequently to try and figure out what they're going to do and uh, we'd like to show our love to our staff by making an offering for them Uh, Last day to make that offering is going to be December 12th and then once we collect that, we'll divide it up equally amongst the staff and and, uh, uh, give them an opportunity to use that for whatever they want to use it for. So uh, if you would, please consider doing that and again remember the 12th. We have these little white envelopes out there called love offering. You can just stick it in that or uh, if you have a pink envelope, you can write staff love offering. And uh, please make checks out to Carpenter's Way uh, Baptist Church. And note on that little portion there in the bottom also that it's a love offering. And make sure if it gets separated from the envelope, we know that's where it's uh, designated to go. So thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Brad. And if you can't spell Carpenter's Way, it's (laughs) W-I-L-K-E. So I appreciate that. The memo. (laughs) Anyway, I'm just kidding. Thank you. You guys have been so gracious in the past, and we do. We split it eight ways. And uh, thank you, Adam. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm completely thrown off. My message is ruined now. (laughs) All right, some other announcements. We are and if you are visiting with us today, welcome to Carpenter's Way. You noticed as you came in, we have a big table up there, and we have two semi-trailers out here. That's because we are in our most intensive church-active ministry, mission week of the year with Operation Christmas Child. Samaritan's Purse every year does a collection of well over a million Boxes that go global, and each of these are given out in different nations and uh, to different. They're given out in churches, and uh, the gospel's presented, and it's followed up with an eleven-week follow-up program. It is a phenomenal thing that we get to be a part of. In Carpenter's Way is the regional hub. There are collection centers uh, in almost every community, and fifty miles in every direction. And basically, over this last week, we've not only collected uh, boxes. But tomorrow, I think it's like seven or eight different collection centers will be bringing all of their crates. All of their collections here, and we will fill those two semis. And then tomorrow night or Tuesday morning early, the trucks are picked up. They're taken to Dallas where they're open to make sure that everything passes customs all over the globe. It is a phenomenal ministry, and we are privileged to be a part of it. So you can, uh, a couple things. Number one, if you haven't gotten a box yet, you can either go put one together, or you can get online and you can make one. The second thing is, is tomorrow is our big day. And if you are free, whether you signed up or not, able to come up here. Uh, is Chastity here real quick? I don't, I don't see her this morning. Uh, Robert, what time tomorrow do we start? Is it noon? It being here or loading? Uh, it, loading, being here. It's 2 o'clock? Okay. So, so huh? Okay, so between two and four or five is when we load these trucks and they start coming in. And so we need some uh, strong backs that are willing to help us do all that uh, tomorrow afternoon. And if you want to come and participate, we'll be collecting boxes and putting stuff together. So whether you're strong enough to lift or not, we just, it's an exciting day and we would love to have you join us tomorrow. So that is tomorrow. Um, I want to mention that this week because of Thanksgiving, there's not going to be a men's timeout Tuesday morning and there's no Wednesday night church this week, go eat, go celebrate God goodness with your family. Look, you can have an egg and still celebrate Thanksgiving. There's so much to be thankful for, and uh, we want to encourage you for that. I do want to mention that we have the uh, privilege to participate with mission groups, not just globally, but also in our area. And one of, uh, you might be surprised if you haven't been with Carpenters Way a long time, but one of our local missions is the Salvation Army. Um, we participate with them because, frankly, there are things that they do that we couldn't do nearly as well, even if we tried to create the ministry. And so it is a privilege. Uh, they, uh, when people come in, and we get a lot of people coming off the streets, we don't have a filtering process to see if that person has gone to six different churches before. But between Love, Inc. that we support as well as Salvation Army, We have resources available to us where we can refer those people because we send money to those organizations where they can filter them and offer them support services. Where Loving doesn't have support services, the Salvation Army does. I mean, they have, thing, they have sheltering, they have food available, they have meals every day. And there are some of you that are already involved in helping to serve meals during the week and different things, and we want to encourage you to be involved in that. But they also, when you go into a stores like Hobby Lobby, you see the ding-a-lings out there ringing the bell? I just made that up. Okay, I won't use that joke again. But those people, they need uh, need bell ringers, and if you have any questions, you can talk to Robert Grimes about what they do and what that money is used for. But that is their major fundraising to the year. And again, we are not in competition with other churches. Those of you who are members of our church, when you went through the bylaws, we talked about cooperation. And this is what that looks like. Yes, they have church on Sundays. We're not trying to take their people. They're not trying to take ours. They do a phenomenal job of ministering to people. And we are excited to, to partner with them with the things that they do in this community and what they do globally. That ministry has been around since the 1800s. It was big in Chicago when they started Moody Bible Institute, so it has a special place in our hearts. Uh, But I would encourage you guys, uh, if you're available, if you're looking for a ministry, uh, that, that would be one, even a short term, just during the holiday season. Again, if you have any questions, you can talk to Jared Pig. Jared. Jared, don't talk to your wife right now. Just give <laughs> wave. You can text him. Uh, Jared, who is one of our is our associate missions pastor, or Robert Grimes, who is King of Everything Missions. And uh, and and or if you want to call the office, we're glad to answer questions for you. But this is a really good ministry. Anything else, Robert, you want to add about that? No. no. It is a great Okay, he said it's a great op uh, it's a great huh? So he said that not just ringing the bell, but serving food as well. And those of you watching online... Um, who don't want to gather in a large group right now. I understand that, but this is a way that you can serve. My dad was up there this week, and there's a lady in that kitchen who cooks meals every day for lunch and dinner. And uh, if, if, if you're interested in helping to serve, you you know, you don't even have to be in charge. You can just be told what to do. So that's all that. So lots of ministry during this season if you're looking for it, and you can even take your kids up and, and do some ministry. Uh, I did want to mention also that we had our annual business meeting last week and everything passed Uh, We are going to have one more vote before the year ends. That will be next Sunday. It will be a a voice vote on the Mission Investment Team Deacons. That will be Jeff Anderson and Linda Langston. And we had a a mess up on the names on the list last week, so we delayed that two weeks so that if you have any questions about Jeff Anderson or Linda Langston that you'd like to talk with us about, feel free to call me or one of the elders or whatnot. So. Let's see if there's anything else I want to tell you. Oh, I do want to tell you. I'm super. I know that it's hard to see my excitement over the Word of God. Um, so I am uniquely excited about what we're going to be doing. We only have two more weeks of, of Galatians, believe it or not. And uh, then we're going to do three weeks of Christmas stuff. That will be the week before Christmas, the week of Christmas, and the week after. We're going to, I'm going to do a three-week series called um Emmanuel which means God is with us. And I know it's like, whoa, what a creative name. We're going to really hit who God is, okay? And so I'm very excited about that. And then after the first of the year, on the first Sunday in January, we're going to have communion together, and we're going to commit our year to the Lord, spend some time praying and worshiping. And the second week in January, we're going to start our next series uh, called Living in Exile. And it's going to be a study of First and Second Peter on, uh, you know, this is not... Okay, forgive me for saying this. This is not a political statement, but this is not a Christian country. How do I know the difference between a Christian and non-Christian? Because of their value system, okay? So, sorry, but the bottom line is we are aliens and strangers here. That's what First and Second Peter is all about. So we're going to talk about living in exile. And then at, on Wednesday nights, we're going to do, uh, Kip and I who lead Wednesday nights, we're going to do a dual study on, on building families as, in exile, so we're going to do about eight weeks or nine weeks on uh, how to develop a spiritual home, what, what a, a home that glorifies the Lord in a time like this. So those are going to be Wednesday nights, uh, Sunday mornings, but I'm really excited about the first of the year. So I encourage you and those of you online to prayerfully consider how involved you'll be and jump in with our studies. Uh, so let's, uh, let's pray. Let's commit our time to the Lord, and then we will jump into Galatians. Father, I want to thank you this morning uh, for your word Uh, I want to thank you that we can gather this morning and sing the, the songs that remind us, Father, of your goodness, like it is well with my soul. But also we can declare the truths that we reflect on, like, I don't know why you love me, but you do. Thank you for that. And so as we sing songs that reflect together in our hearts, we sing songs that remind us of your goodness, that we can trust you. Lord Jesus, now I pray your Holy Spirit would speak to us in a very personal and real way. Thank you uh, for the study in this book and uh, impact our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, As most of you know, uh, we go verse by verse through books 95% of the time. Uh, But once in a while, in a text, uh, I will take what we'll call a sidebar, and just kind of balance things out or share something that may be uniquely relevant to a time or what, what, just something the Lord lays on my heart. And this is going to be one of those mornings. Um, so this morning isn't so much a textual preaching on Galatians, but, but a, a balancing, and, and you'll understand it by the time we're done. In Galatians 5.13, You will notice, uh, this is a verse that was kind of a hinging verse that we jumped off of in the last few weeks. And if you haven't done our study of Galatians with us, I encourage you to go in the archives and watch them online because they've been a great verse-by-verse study. But Paul wrote to the believers in the churches of Galatia, you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So the whole letter of Galatians has actually been a warning to the believers in the churches of the Galatian region to resist helping their spiritual standing with God by legalism, by being a better person in their own strength. Specifically, as it related to those churches of Gentiles, some Jews had come in and said, look, Jesus is fine, but if you really want to be spiritually healthy, you need to add the Jewish law to it. Um... That is why, in the first line of the verse on the screen, Paul answers that by saying, you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. In other words, you can't improve your standing with God by being a better person. Because the problem is that you already come to the table when you realize you're spiritually in trouble with the judge. You already come to the table having broken his law. And no matter how many good things you put on top of a bad egg, and we call it an omelet, it will still make you throw up. It's still a bad egg. It's still a bad omelet, no matter how much good it looks. And that's the problem with religion. Religion tells you to be a better person because if you're a better person, then in the end, you'll be okay with God. The problem is, the Bible says that we all fall short of God's standard. If you are actually to read the Bible as an agnostic or someone who's trying to find a right relationship with God. By the time you were done with the Old Testament, you would be screaming, you've got to just throw out our sin. You've got to just forgive us. You've got to make a way where we don't have to try to be good enough because we'll never be good enough. To which God sent Jesus to do just that. If we could... If we could scream one thing at God, it's, we can't do this. You have to do it for us. You have to just forgive us. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why to try to become a better person in your own power won't work. That's one of the reasons. So that's why he writes this, on the verse on the screen, the very first line is, for you've been called to live in freedom. And, and why was he doing that? Because if you have to earn, if you have to be good enough, your obsession is on whom? yourself. Why? Because you have to perform. You have to be good enough. When you blow it, you have to do two things to get better. You have to do penance. You have to, it's all about you. It's a selfish existence. Even if your end result is to try to please God, the truth is it's a self-obsession. But he tells us in the last sentence of the verse on the screen, instead, use your freedom rather than using it to satisfy your sinful nature or your indulgent in your urges. You should use it to serve one another in love. In the middle of this letter, though, he's begging them to not turn a law that didn't save them or even help them. He is trying to get them... Let me say that again. He is begging them now not to turn to religion, but there is something else in the middle of this that we have the potential to do. And I would argue was going on in the New Testament church and is happening today in the church. Don't use your freedom the grace of God, having been set free for the consequences to satisfy your sinful nature. Louise, would you put the first uh, picture on the screen? This is a pendulum, okay? I had to look it up three times how to spell it. Uh, This is a stolen picture of a pendulum, so if you're watching today and you drew this, I have no money. But this is a pendulum, And you can picture it because that thing with the ball on it is... is, You've seen them, right? You know know what this is. It's a string. And it just swings from one side to the other until it runs out of energy and when it runs out of energy it goes straight up and down to what's called equilibrium. Y'all understand this picture? Um, The basic idea of a pendulum is the perfect place is in the middle. When I was growing up in San Diego we had a, uh, a museum that had a pendulum on it that was so perfectly designed that it would tell you what time of the day it was with the gravitation of the earth. It was one of the most amazing things. And they only had to restart it once a year. So they knew exactly where to start the swing and with the gravitation of the earth, it would move and you could tell what time it was. A pendulum is a pretty amazing thing. um, But we struggle with keeping equilibrium in the church, okay? Just... Give me a minute to bring this around. Again, this is not a message, this is a conversation. If the gospel of Jesus Christ, the biblical gospel, was a pendulum, where the truth of the gospel is found at the point of equilibrium, in the middle, then what Satan wanted to do to the believers in the church of Galatian region, actually all followers of Jesus, even today, was to get us off center with our eyes no longer fixated on Jesus. Let me me try to explain something. The gospel, as much as evangelists like Billy Graham and D.L. Moody and and, and effective leaders make it about you, with questions like, you don't want to go to hell, do you? And everybody says, I don't want to go to hell. Nobody wants to go to hell. It's actually not about you. It's about God. It's about the character of God. The reason that any of us can be confident in our forgiveness and salvation by God is because God promised never to turn his back on us if we accept, by faith, his grace. It is not his love for you that maintains his promise to you. It's his promise to you made because of his love for you that keeps you secure. So if God breaks his promise, then the character of God is in question. A lot of deep stuff there. But the bottom line is the reason we can be saved, not by works, but by faith, is because of God's character. God is holy. Now, immediately when I said that, you went into third grade Sunday school class, Holy God. He's perfect. The word holy doesn't actually mean just perfect, it means mature, it means set apart. It's the same word we get sanctuary from in the Greek. In other words, and we're going to talk about this when we talk about Emmanuel at Christmas, that's going to be the big one is that this isn't just that guy. When we think of Jesus, we look at that picture, and some of us see him angry, some of us see him compassionate, but we have different thoughts on Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the image of the, of the perfect God. Again, we're going to talk about this during the Christmas season. But Jesus wasn't just an infant in Mary's hands. Jesus was, is, and always will be God. And in our brains and in our thinking, we have separated the God of the Old Testament from the God of the New and the God of the future. We think the God of the Old Testament is vengeful and angry and kills people. Jesus loves people. and And then in the future, he gets back to killing people as he returns. That's kind of the thing that's taught in the church. And I'm here to tell you that God is always the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And now I'm preaching my Christmas message, and I'll wait for that. Except to say that you have to understand that the reason we have a problem with God is not because we're going to hell, but because God is holy and can't fellowship with anything unholy. We sang a song this morning, or read the verses. Uh, Christine read First Colossians 1, right? And out of Colossians 1, it says, We have been declared pure and holy. If you are not holy this morning, you are not saved. Well, I, I'm not holy, but I am forgiven. There's no difference in the two, except that we forget to talk about God. God is holy, and he can only fellowship with the holy. When Jesus was on a cross, he took our unholiness on himself and died. He carried all of our sin. He became sin on our behalf, uh, 1 Corinthians says. And it's important that we understand that because as you try, as the Galatians tried to work themselves into salvation or into God's good graces, basically they are offending the holiness of God. You can't become that good especially because you've already blown it. You can't be holy like God. You can't be good enough. So the only way to be saved was to God to send his son to take our sin punishment on the cross. He satisfied his own anger, Colossians says. But if you're not going to work your way to heaven, which I actually think most of us have a pro- are okay with. I think most of us sit here and go, and we like Galatians because it's like legalism is bad, even if we struggle with it. I think most of us agree with that there is a pendulum swing that seems out of place in that verse that we just read but it is equally important and it was equally devastating in the New Testament church and that is that once they understood that salvation was the result of grace purely an act of God of his mercy there were churches that were beginning to say then let's sin to show how merciful God is let's indulge in fact That was so prevalent that Jesus' brother, Jude, wrote a letter. And some of you, many of you ladies just studied that letter, but I just want to go through it this morning because it's super important that you understand. And would you put up on the screen the next slide, the second slide, please? This is what we've been talking about, legalism, the the pendulum swinging over there, and you notice that we're off the biblical gospel, and most of us would agree with that. But there's a pendulum swing the other way, and that is indulging. Would you put the third screen, the slide up there for me? I know I'm jumping some verses. It's the next image number three. It's indulgence. It's the other swing, and I, I the reason I'm using a dumb picture of a pendulum, is because I want you to notice that you're still off message. You're still off middle. You're off equilibrium, and it's not okay. It's a different gospel. And because this became a problem, Jesus's brother Jude wrote to this, and I want to work through that with you this morning in our message. This letter is from Jude, verse 1 says, a slave of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Dear friends, now now please, don't just listen to this like a Bible verse. Would you listen to his heart heart in this? I have been eagerly planning to write to you about salvation we all share, but, but now I find that I must write about something else urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. So Jude wanted to write to them about salvation, a friendly letter, an encouraging letter. To say, isn't God good? God's mercy is wonderful. It, it might have been a psalm. It might have been encouraging. But now all of a sudden, when he's hearing what's going on throughout the Gentile churches in the community, he's realized that they are indulging in their flesh in the name of grace. And now he's got to write it, And he starts by saying, you have to understand, you need to fight for the, for the gospel The biblical gospel. You need that equilibrium. You need to fight at all costs. I'm urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. So while he wanted to write an encouraging letter about salvation, he's now writing to urge them, to plead with them, to defend the uh, the truth of the faith. The faith, the biblical gospel, was under attack. And what was that attack to the readers that he's writing to? Verse 4. I say this, because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live now immoral lives. Let that sink in. Now would you put the pendulum up there? Indulgence. We've been talking, this is why I wanted to pause this week, and I could probably stop right now, but you're not that lucky. That, that, that We've been talking every week about that other side, legalism. And you've been convinced, if not before, if you believe in the Word of God as final authority, you've been convinced that I can't work my way to heaven. It's an act of grace. And you're fine with that. We're all fine with that because, well, the reason we're fine with it is, number one, it's convincing. And number two, we don't want to work that hard. Right? Even if I told you you could work your way to heaven, it would take you about eight-tenths of a second when you text your husband, let's go to Cracker Barrel, and he writes you back, I'm in a meat mood. And you start a fight, through text over where you eat lunch. You always get your way. Well, it's Thanksgiving. You know, I never loved you. <laughs> by tonight, you don't even know what you were fighting about, but it's a good fight. I mean, it's, just, it's just how we live. Or you, or you decide that the person who cuts you off in the parking, somebody, have you ever been cut off by somebody and you wanted to rip them a new one and you found out it was somebody you knew? <laughs> yep. I'm the pastor often on the other side of that. Oh, Pastor Mark! <laughs> I've never cut anybody off. But, but the fact is that, that these pendulum swings... Okay, I'm going to go ahead and give the, give the whole thing away. The reason that Satan doesn't care if you're a legalist or you're indulging in your flesh is because neither are about God. This is all about God. While the church for the past 150 years has made it about you not going to hell being a good person, saving society, living in a country, that whatever. The gospel is actually about God. And whether you are indulging in legalism, looking down on everybody else, or you are indulging in feeding your flesh, neither of those things is Jesus. And the obsession of the gospel is Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. And so, to be clear, the gospel's about God. It's about his holiness and his character. And so, Satan doesn't care which pendulum swing we go to as long as our focus isn't on him. We were saved by supernatural power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen, right? Right, right? Pam is not the only one listening. Yes, we were saved. You were saved by God's supernatural power. You are being transformed for the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, right? That means it's all God. It's completely God. The idea that will allow you to stay as you are, that you are beautiful enough and good enough at the moment of salvation is a lie of Lucifer. Because this isn't just about God's goodness keeping you out of hell. This is about God making you like himself. If God created us in a way and sin ruined that way, he wants to bring us back into alignment of his creation. And I would argue with you, if, and I know this is deeper this morning, but I want you to start thinking more about God. We've got to get more about God and less about our culture. Because our culture is frustrating. Wait till you read 1 and 2 Peter if you've never read it. You think this culture is frustrating? Wait till you find out what Nero was doing to, to followers of Jesus. And wait till you find out what Peter said how our reaction should be. And it had nothing to do with becoming armed. It had everything to do with trusting God. This is all about God. Do we believe in God? Do we really believe that it is well with our soul? Then why are we so mad all the time? Because it really isn't in our flesh, about God, it's about our rights. And I throw out there, again, as, as grateful as I am to be an American. I know most many of you don't believe it. I'm even conservative in my politics. but the basis of everything we do in this country is your personal right to a pursuit of happiness. Yet Scripture says, no, you have the personal right as my child to now pursue me. And when somebody mistreats you, you pray that God blesses them. It's an upside-down kingdom. And when it comes to legalism, I think we're mostly okay with it. But when it comes to indulging my flesh, things like, I'm not going to let them fill in, And you can fill in the blank there. That's indulgence. It isn't just adultery. It isn't just pornography. It's also feeding your flesh. And Satan doesn't care if you feed your flesh in the name of Jesus or you restrain your flesh in the name of your self-power. The fact is that it's, if it's off of Jesus, it is the wrong message. Jude 4. I say this, what did he say? I want you to defend the message of the gospel, the faith. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us now to live immoral lives. Just a question, what kind of holy God would allow us to continue in a life that is self-destructive? If you catch your grandchild, and that's what I have now, and I love that grandchild more than my own children. My kids are for sale. I'm, I'm just kidding. But, but you love your grandchild or your child. If your child is caught eating rat poison or something stupid, and you teach them, we don't eat rat poison even if it looks like cake, are you going to let them eat it again because they're your child six weeks later? Of course not. Because it's destructive. You guys... Sin may be momentarily beneficial to your pleasure, but it will destroy you. Sin destroys. And part of walking with a holy God is being free to, to, to live in that holiness. I, I don't have to be addicted to alcohol. I don't have to steal things in order to get them. I don't have to, I don't have to sleep with another woman to find joy. I don't have to in fill in the blank. I don't have to be mad at the Democrats in order to be a a faithful believer. I was told that recently. How could anybody be a Christian and a Democrat? And your job as a pastor is to fight for this country, to which I responded, have you ever read the New Testament? Because that is not a pastor's job. A pastor's job is to correct, rebuke, and train in righteousness. This is not a political movement. It is a holy movement. And we don't ever have to question our King of Kings. He's always on his game. Now, you may not like his game, but that's where trust comes in. And when we take things into our own hand legalistically or we take things in our own hand, I'm going to indulge my flesh. Basically, what I'm saying to God is I'm not happy with your plan, so I'm going to indulge in my own flesh. Thanks for heaven. And you've got to ask yourself, is that even Christianity? Because it's not what the rest of chapter 5 of Galatians says. The fruit of who's in control is very clear in our lives. You see, I'm kind of filling in the gap of last week's message, which is you've got two fruits, the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of the flesh. And if you're indulging in these things, Peter, Paul says, no one doing, living this style, nobody who's settled in to a sinful lifestyle like an old man in a warm bath. You can laugh at that. That's funny. But if you have settled into a sinful lifestyle and you have no conviction, you have every right to question your salvation. But I walked an aisle in VBS when I was seven. Good for you. Then the aisle was cleaner after you walked. But that doesn't at all make you a child of God. Remember last week's study, the difference between a child of God and somebody who's not is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we have to answer the question of the church. Is God powerful enough and holy enough that if his presence is there, he impacts the, the, the environment? See, we're not even talking about you working harder. That's legalism. We're not talking about you indulging in your flesh. That's that's, that's a wrong gospel. That's a you-focused gospel. We're talking about whether or not the Holy Spirit comes in and makes a change. How powerful is the God that saved you? Is he only powerful enough to keep you out of hell but not transform your life? You see, if we agree with God that sin is a destructive force that needs to be reckoned with, then we agree with God we shouldn't be eating rat poison again. But it's this church, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Allows us. So we seek permission to be sinful? I would agree that some do. The condemnation of such people, he goes on to say, Jude, was recorded long ago. For they have denied our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So what did they do? Now he's explaining. And I want to remind you from Romans 10, 9, how a person actually goes from death to life. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is kind of in charge, that's not what it says. Is Lord. Now, I'm not saying you have to understand everything about lordship, but the truth is, if you realize he's God, you're not. Remember, the salvation is about his holiness, not yours. If you realize he's awesome, you're not. He's holy, you're not. You, he is the judge, and you're not. And you are under condemnation. You run to the Lord, and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Now, two things have to happen according to this verse, and we'll leave it on the screen. Two things have to happen according to this verse. And one of the two things is what separates you from Lucifer or Satan. Did you know that? You see, one of those things even he knows. Satan knows that Jesus came, died, and rose again. Why? He was there. He, but he's not saved. Scripture says he's not saved. Lucifer and the angels, the, the demons aren't going to be saved. They believe that. But that's not enough. What else is, is we bow the knee. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, ruler of all, in control. That doesn't mean you have to understand all the ramifications of that. But it's the moment of salvation. It's a bowing of the knee to God. It's saying, I'm in trouble. You're holy. And I can't even spell the word. And God goes, good enough for me. Remember the thief on the cross. He said to Jesus, he didn't have the magic prayer, he just said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. One me, two yous. It wasn't about him. It was about God. Remember me. He didn't even ask for salvation. He just asked to be remembered. And Jesus said, Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Why? Because he acknowledged Jesus as Lord. He had just wrestled. There's three of them on the cross. And one is mocking Jesus. And the other guy seems to lead forward on the cross. Says, You know, you and I are guilty of these things. This guy in the middle doesn't deserve this. And that's when he turns to Jesus. He acknowledged that this man in the middle was innocent and deserves to be worshipped, respected, revered. He asked him to remember him. He is declaring him as the authoritative one. But if you come to Jesus just to be saved from hell, you have missed the problem. Hell is not really your problem. It is a problem of location, but it is not the problem from which you need to be saved. You need to be saved, not from a thing, but from the one who offers to save you. That's what's weird about the gospel. Your prayer shouldn't be, keep me out of hell. It should be, keep me from your wrath. To which God goes, taken care of. I love you that much. I sent my son to die on the cross for your sins notice sin is a thing that offends god a relationship this is about making our relationship right with god but if i can pendulum swing to self right from self-righteousness to self-fulfillment god is not even in that equation in either case the only reason i do either of those things is to save my own butt or at least be happy i mean god's going to make my life miserable if i serve him so i'm going to go ahead and do what i want i have it's acceptable as if we're asking for approval to live in the flesh, and I would argue there's a lot of us who do that. I know and by the way, I'm not just talking about sexual orientation or adultery or infidelity. I'm talking about the fact that most of us grew in churches, grew up in churches that had prayer meetings with little old ladies who had gossip issues. Pam you and I are the only ones who've ever experienced that, right? We must play, pray for Julie Wilkie who is married to a total jerk who happens to be our pastor. And he is a drunkard and a liar and a thief, but we shouldn't gossip about him. We should pray for him. I heard that too, Martha. (laughs) I heard that he beat his daughter, Annie. (gasps) I heard Annie beat him back. (laughs) You're laughing because you've been there. How about our annual business meetings in most churches? where we tell each other off in Jesus' name and people argue and they walk out of the room high-fiving each other and we had an open meeting. That's called abuse and it's not godly. Right. We've excused things. How about the fact that the church that I grew up in talked against drinking and, and smoking but we had a lot of fat people. <laughs> and last time I checked, cardiac problems overwhelm alcohol deaths in this country. See, we picked, we picked and choose losers. And when we, talk about, when we talk about Martha the Gossip, and I'm not talking about anybody by that name in this church, because right? you're not. But when we talk about Beulah the Gossip, I don't know why I picked Beulah. I don't know. That's, that's weird. But when we talk about her, what's the response? That's just how Martha... Is. Bless her heart. She's a gossip, but she means so well. We could say that about anybody's sin. You know, I know he's sleeping with Larry's wife, but his own wife is such a jerk to live with. I understand. This isn't about us, it's about God. We make excuses for each other like it's natural. And by the way, sin is natural that's why we sacrifice that's what the gospel calls for redemption and sacrifice that's why we refer to it as the upside down living that's why when the government asked you to carry their pack for a mile Jesus said carry it too that's why we submit to governors and we pay taxes that are unfair because this is not our world we are exiles here we live here to seek first the kingdom of God there's nothing wrong with voting but if you live for the vote you have the wrong king it's the, it's the paradigm shift. And Satan wants it to look attractive. It looks so religious to keep the Ten Commandments. And it also looks wonderful to say, Oh, there but, the, there but the grace of God go I. And keeping your zipper up and not checking into a hotel and not meeting somebody who's not your wife and not building a relationship you shouldn't build. I mean, it's not that easy. There's a lot of lying that leads to adultery. So you're saying you wouldn't commit adultery? I'm telling you that any of us are capable of sin, any kind of sin, but it takes a lot of work to sin. Think of every opportunity you have to change your mind or to follow Jesus. If you're looking at porn and you're married, you have to sneak. Or you don't have to sneak. I mean, the fact is that it is easier to follow Jesus. It's just not fulfilling in our flesh. I mean, I You get what I'm talking about? It's a pendulum swing. So I want to remind you, verse 5 in Jude, I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. In other words, they were using the Jewish religion to feed their flesh. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. Why? Not because the angels didn't believe in God, but because they thought they knew better. They rejected his his authority. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. In the same way, verse 8, these people, who are these people? He's talking about false teachers. Oh, man. Take a breath. You ready? These teachers who claim authority from their Yeah, that's not familiar. Why from their dreams? Because they have zero scripture to back up what they teach. So they just happen to have a dream. I had a vision. They live immoral lives. They defy authority and they scoff at supernatural beings. Okay. Uh, does any of this sound familiar today? I'm going to kick Satan's butt. We dance across stage. We make arrogant statements. And we don't have scripture to back our teaching. We talk about dreams that we have. This isn't new, you guys. This isn't new. And it teaches you to indulge in your flesh. You're beautiful to God. What you need to do is see yourself as God sees you. Not how you will be, but as you are. You need to stop beating yourself up. You can live your best life now. Only if you want to go to hell later. I'm not saying that living for God saves you. But it is a natural reaction of the Holy Spirit coming in. Because it's all about God. Verse 9, even Michael, one of the mightiest angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but said, the Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing uh, with the devil over Moses' body. But these people scoff at things they don't understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them. Their doctrine, taught today all over the internet, is purely based on human reason. Why would God allow you to go through difficult times? As a father, I wouldn't want my child to go through difficult times, which explains why their children are out of control. Absolutely, you want to discipline your children. This wasn't just happening in Galatia. It's happening now. And it isn't just happening now, or Galatia. It was happening back in Jude's time. It's the same thing. Same teachers, different skinny jeans. And he goes on. And so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them for they follow in the footsteps of Cain who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals, commemorating the Lord's love, so they participate in the, in the worship of the Lord, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who actually only care for themselves. Do you watch TBN? Do any of these sound familiar, this description? They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn. They are doubly dead, for they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. They are like wild waves of the sea, churning up foam of their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars doomed forever in the blackest darkness. Are you getting the sense that Jude has a problem with these people? Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these very people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all ungodly things that they say they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers. They are complainers. They live totally to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves. If you'd like to support me, it's markwilkie.com, where if you give me enough money, I will have dinner with you. Just so you know, the answer to that, no matter who it is, whether it's David Jeremiah, Mark Wilkie, or Joel Osteen, should be I don't really care about having dinner with you anyway. You don't have to have dinner with a pastor, you can fellowship with the king. We've completely lost this. We talk about when people die, them becoming angels. Do you realize that's a reduction in position? You are the child of God. Why would you want to be a, a servant in his household? It, it's, it's, We've we forgotten who God is. We're thinking about us. What makes us feel better? Every time I hear about a, a tragic, hurtful death and somebody says, well, heaven got another angel, I just, I just want to go, no. If they're saved, heaven got a child home. It's so much better than being an angel. An angel is just a servant who serves us and don't understand why they're serving us. That's what Hebrews says. But a child gets to enjoy the presence of the Holy Father, not the Pope. The Holy God. You don't have to go to the Pope. You can go to God Himself. You have access to the throne room of God right now. But you gotta want Him more than your flesh. Satan Doesn't care which side of the pendulum you're on. He just wants you off the gospel. And in Galatians, Paul said, that isn't even the gospel gospel at all. In verse 17, in in Jude, he goes on to say, but you, dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. And I want to remind you, who's he talking about here? These false Christian teachers. He's talking about false teachers. Some of you that are watching online may be going, gosh, this is kind of weird. You know, you're going after your own people. They're not our people. And a lot of you won't walk in the door of a church because that's all you've heard. Charlatans. And we are here to tell you that the gospel is simple. We're in trouble without grace. Grace. And the very thing we needed, God did. He sent the second member of the Trinity to earth, born in a manger, not a big one like Timber Creek has, although that's an impressive one. It's a big one. That's one big baby. If they put a baby in there, I just want you all to know I'm freaked out. But he came, and, and this is what we're going to talk about this Christmas, you guys. This holy God put himself in a woman's womb, and he went down that path, Laid in a manger and lived 33 years among us. God himself did that. The judge, the king of kings, the creator of all did that. And why are we glad? So that I can struggle with porn and not worry about hell. We have completely lost God. The whole book of Galatians is about God. It's not about them. It's about God and this is about God. These people are the ones, verse 19 says, in Jude. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. They're not saved. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in the most holy of faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. Did you notice he said, await? Because indulging in your flesh is about getting right now. And, and I, just, I just want to say, we all love our sin. You may not be an adulterer or a porn addict or whatever, but everybody loves their sin, whether it's gluttony or whatever. Why? That's why we do it. It makes us feel good for a moment. It will satisfy for a temporary period, but it will destroy over time. Sin always kills or makes you depraved in your thinking. You wanna know what's wrong with our country? This this morning, guys, I told you, I didn't watch the news. I read it and it's just as devastating. We had, uh, how many, I, I, I mean, there's been so many people die of COVID, millions right across the globe. We have so many car accidents every year. So many people die. So many people die of alcohol poisoning. So many people die and yesterday, The highest people in our government took a day out because 50 transgender people died last year. That's depravity. More people will die in our community of the flu next year. But when you have an agenda, and that is to indulge in your flesh, you're okay as you are. When you reject a holy God, that's how stupid we get. We shouldn't be mad at unsaved people. We should be declaring each other, telling each other. We should be fighting for the faith. What does that look like? It doesn't look like the right to bear arms. It isn't the personal pursuit of happiness. It is the ability to tell anyone and everyone from the depraved to the whatever that Jesus Christ saves all who want to be saved. God is not like the church. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. But he will not save you if you do not bow the knee. You don't have to be a Baptist, a Catholic, a Lutheran, a Mormon. You just have to know you're a sinner, and he is the only one that can save you. Why? Because he is a holy God, and the rest of us are not. Verse 21, we need to await the mercy of our Lord. These false teachers were offering a Christianity based on their flesh and wants. And this wasn't the only place. I'm going to jump now to 1 Corinthians 5 because our time is fleeting. This wasn't the only place. Jude wasn't just writing. You want to know how depraved that culture got? Now, I know a lot of you listen to a lot of preaching and you'll hear, oh, it's worse now than it's ever been before. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church about in 1 Corinthians 5. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you in your church, okay? Something, this immorality is worse than what the pagan Gentiles don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. (laughs) Yeah. You know what living in sin alludes to, right? That's modern translation and the Greek is much more clear on it. The dude's getting it on with his stepmother. Okay? That's disgusting. <laughs> you think that's disgusting? Look at what he says about the church as a whole he's writing to. You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. Why? Because they're celebrating the grace of God by being proud of this man's relationship with his stepmother. We know it's wrong, but God's grace is sufficient. So you keep doing that thing. How twisted did the church become back then? It's not new, you guys. It's just modern. And you should remove this man from your fellowship, Paul says. Verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 5. Even though I am not with you in person, I am with you in spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man. In the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of our Lord Jesus. You must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and that he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Your boasting about this is terrible. (laughs) What? (laughs) Not only are they tolerating it, and and, and if you've been in church any number of years in your life, you're like, well, maybe they were just hoping that he would turn. No, they were high-fiving each other about it. They were like, God loves sinners. And you know, Mark is, what well, this is an example. Even though he's, I mean, you, I don't even want to go there. How twisted is it to sleep with your stepmother? Are you kidding? And the church is proud of it. Throw this man out so he'll be saved. Your boasting is terrible. Don't you realize that this is sin? This, uh, that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Will you put that picture back up there, please? That's all I wanted to talk to you about this morning, is it the other side of the pendulum swing. We've been talking about legalism now for three months, and we all agree with it. But church, we've got to be wary of the other side. Just because you're not saved by works doesn't mean that when the Holy Spirit comes in, he doesn't transform you and do a work in your life. This isn't about going, oh, there but the grace of God go I. I'm supposed to surrender moment by moment to the control of the Holy Spirit in my life. And that has an effect on the decisions I make. There are two commands in the New Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. And if I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to be sleeping around because my goal for them is to meet Jesus, not me. If my goal for you is to follow Jesus, I want less of me like John the Baptist said and more of Jesus. I want bigger Jesus on the screen. I want to point to him. When you say I don't agree with you, I'm going to say to you, that's okay, you shouldn't agree with me. What does the Bible say? My friends, and I know there are many online watching who are not sure about Christianity, we are not here to tell you to follow us. We want you to follow Jesus. And it starts by confessing with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart God raised him from the dead. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen the smallest thing? Have you ever misrepresented the truth? Have you ever done something that you knew wasn't right? Then you have fallen short of God's glory. Have you ever lusted? Jesus said that's adultery. Well, his standards are too high. On point. That's exactly right. His standards are way too high. For what? For us. He's holy. You'll never measure up. Well, what am I going to do then? Well, you can either ignore him and indulge in your flesh or you can bow the knee and that's my prayer for us as a church my prayer for us is that we will not follow the Baptist traditions or the evangelical traditions or the cultural traditions my prayer is that we will follow Jesus and that's going to look weird because while being while growing up in the church and being told don't drink that means that I'm going to have to minister to people in a bar now I'm going to be clear I'm not stupid I will not be going into strip clubs to minister some of the ladies might That's not my calling. Why? Because I'm a dude and I'm a pig. Thank God for grace, right? But I'm not going to look at porn at night to pray for those people on the internet. There's there's, there's a truth here that the Holy Spirit guides me and directs me. And you too. Calling Nancy Pelosi a dog-faced monkey does not advance the kingdom. And declaring that Donald Trump is the next second coming of Jesus is a lie. He's not. Even if you like him as president, he's not a very godly man. It's okay to vote for him. Last time I checked, the best president, the, the most serious Christian this president had in recent times is Jimmy Carter. And generally speaking, look, I am not making political statements, but you guys know I'm conservative, so please filter this, but... He wasn't a very good president. I remember sitting at line and Gas stations. So I would argue he wasn't a good president. Maybe you think he's great. Just bear with me. Just because you're a godly person doesn't make you a good president. I'm for seeking the kingdom of God. This country will fall. The question is, will it devastate you? And it does. It won't devastate you if you remember it's well with your soul and God is your real king. God is your king. And he's working in you. He's transforming our thinking. And if we don't, we're going to get off the pendulum. The biblical gospel is there's salvation through faith in Christ through the power of God for whoever you are. Murderer, adulterer, same-sex attracted, uh, Baptist, Lutheran, Catholic, Methodist, Jehovah's Witness. It doesn't matter. All that matters is you are a sinner And he is the only one who not only can save you, but he's the only one who wants to. And the cost is bowing the knee to him. Which means you can't work your way, nor should you indulge in your flesh because that denies his holiness. The children of God should be radically different by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we don't look like it right now. All of this is summed up in poor Louise who's doing these on the screen. Louise, would you put Ephesians chapter 2? This is the bottom line. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It is the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for good things you've done. None of us can boast about it because of that. So you clear on those two verses first, right? Ain't about you, didn't earn it, it's a gift. Now he's going to explain why that matters. What are you? You're God's masterpiece. That doesn't mean you're beautiful or that you're going to win a modeling agency contract. It means that God sewed together what you are becoming. You are his masterpiece of salvation. He has now created you anew in Christ Jesus. Let's close in prayer. That's what we usually stop with. Look at the next line. Why? The word so is a connective word. So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And that has little to do with politics. It has everything to do with the gospel. Our job is to take people to Jesus. And that's why we're still here. And that's why you can't pendulum swing. You've got to stay surrendered. Because if your life lives louder than God, nobody's going to hear about your God. We should be like John the Baptizer who said, I need to decrease, God can increase. And in the South, people always ask, what church do you go to? And when we find out they go to a church that we might attend, we immediately go, oh, they know Jesus. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. Keith Green used to say that just because you go to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Well, just because you go to church doesn't make you a child of God. So the question is better. Tell me what God is teaching you about Himself. What's He working on in your life? What's the Holy Spirit been showing you? Now I know what a lot of you are thinking. I don't want that long of conversation. It's because we really don't care. What we care about is saying hi, being cordial, and moving on. Maybe we should slow down. And maybe your drunk uncle that will be at your house this Thursday. Maybe instead of writing off your drunk uncle, you should ask him what God's teaching him. Well, he doesn't even know Jesus. All the more reason to ask him. Oh, he'll just drink another beer and walk away. Good. Conversation over. But you still expressed godly concern. Come on, family. Let's get back to this. Let's contend for the gospel. Let's keep the gospel center. Salvation through faith in Christ alone. Not legalism. Not self-indulgence, but complete surrender to a holy God. And I know that's difficult. And so in January, we're going to go through First and 2 Peter, which answers, how can we live as people of exile? How do we live like that? Peter will answer that question for us. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this wonderful week. Thank you for the message that calls us back to you, Lord Jesus. Our hope is in you. Our, our empowerment is in you. Our focus is you. And it is my prayer, Lord Jesus. That as we get into the holiday season, we would remember that this season is all about you, not us. But because it's well with our souls, we can have turkey. We can exchange gifts. And when the gifts break, nothing's changed. Because our hope was in the Lord. So Father, if somebody doesn't know you today, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. I pray that today would be the day that some surrender control of their life to you. But most of all, may we as an army of of God's kids go out into our holiday week thankful for what you've done and wanting to tell anyone and everybody we can about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Operation Christmas Child, the next 24 hours. Go have a wonderful day. It's going to be beautiful tomorrow. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.